Welcome to the Sex, God, and Chaos podcast, a conversation built to help you address the mess, connect the dots, and defeat addiction. Doing your work matters because if nothing changes, then nothing changes. Life is tough and we're here to help. I'm your host, Ben Derrick, and as always, I'll be joined by Roan Hunter. Let's jump right in. Roan, back in the studio for another episode of the Sex, God, and Chaos podcast. Man, I'm telling you, when I listen to these things, I'm getting a lot out of them. Well, it seems to be um, uh, just the feedback we're getting and uh, what people are saying. Uh, for some reason, um, you and me talking or somehow or another, I don't, it makes sense. Uh, oh, you're taking, we're taking credit. <laughs> yeah, Oh, I course. was trying to give the guest credit, but you're saying it's us. Well, uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> it's the combination it's, of all of us, right? It's this banter right here. <laughs> this is what changes. This, this is, is life. life to listen. If you'll just every episode listen to the first three minutes, it'll change your life. Just the banter. Yeah, that, that'll do it. Yeah, but going back, you know, obviously it's my job to edit these things, so I get a lot of time to listen to them, and I'm like, man, every episode has probably five or six high points where you're, if you just focused on that for a minute, you're going to become a more healthy person. And I, I have to imagine that's why most people are clicking on a podcast named Sex, God, and Chaos. Something is lit off in their life, and they're needing some help. I it feels it like we're providing guys, it. I thought it was just guys looking for porn. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, either way. Either way, we'll t- a lot. There are a lot of different on ramps to this avenues. podcast. A lot, lot of avenues, <laughs> and we we don't judge anybody for their motivations. No, no, no. We're yeah. just glad you're here. Glad yeah. you're here. So this episode, we have uh, Alex with us. Alex was actually an instructor in my PSAP module, and and which is similar to CSAT, the uh, Certified Sex Addiction Therapist. This guy has a lot of information and has worked with a lot of people in this process. Had a lot of smart things to say in your interview with him. Yes, he does. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about his book that's uh, his recent book that's come out, uh, Emotional Safety. And it's one of those things that, you know, people, you can hear that. And certainly in today's culture, it's like, I got to go find my safe space or something. And that, that's not really what it's all about at all. It's just more the idea of like uh, emotional safety um, in relationships. And if that's not present, uh, there's not much that's going to happen. And so Alex does a great job uh, in the book and certainly on the podcast just uh, unpacking that. I love the question you sent back to him. Like, okay, let's really define a safe person because we're always on the lookout for these cultural words that are just flying around because there's so much information out there, uh, especially digitally, so <laughs> much information. And I've heard this in a lot of social contexts. Like, hey, I just, I don't feel like you're a safe person. I don't feel like this is a safe place. And often I'm thinking, what are you talking about? <laughs> right? So, but we throw that word around and he does a great job really defining what it means to, to be a safe person. Mm-hmm. And also to kind of recognize unsafe people. Um, and we have to be discerning when it comes to relationships. And it's not just a married relationship. These are work relationships, family relationships. It's just relationships one-on-one. Yeah, they get complicated, don't they? Mm, yeah. Yes. Ergo, the reason for this podcast, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, here we go. So without further delay, here is Roan's conversation with Alex Avila. Man, today, just special guest. We got Alex Avila with us. Uh, Alex is a CSAT, uh, which is a certified sex addiction therapist and uh, just does tremendous work and has also uh, just released his new book. And uh, we're going to talk about that. 
And uh, man, Alex, uh, so glad you could join us and make the time to sit with us and just have a conversation. Yeah, I'm just so happy to be here and love the work that you all are doing to help people understand you know, this thing called sex and, and relationships and, and coordinating that with our spirituality. It's just great to hear what you do and, and the people you bring on. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I think uh, you and I may have talked a little bit. Uh, I always say I've, I've got two certifications in sex addiction and, uh, and I are one. Uh, however, I just, I really just don't like the term because it's, in some ways it's a misnomer. Yeah. And, you know, the, the umbrella term that we work with, we just call it sexual brokenness because uh, we, we live in an entire culture today that's sexually broken. Uh, whether that's in the church or outside the church, it just cuts across uh, every part of, of our culture today. And so, man, I uh, would love for just our listeners to kind of hear uh, just a little bit of your backstory and kind of what got you uh, engaged in doing this work. Yes. Well, um, I, I think like a lot of counselors, you know, people helpers, we have this pull. There's something in us that wants to help other people. And often that is because of our own story, our own struggles and trauma. So um, I, I came out of a second career. I was in business management for about 15 years. And, and I wanted to help people because I struggled as well. So it took me some time. I had to do my own work and get into, you know, to have that lived experience for sure so I can um, help people adequately. But, you know, I, I struggled in relationships. I was surrounded by divorce. My dad was very abusive. So I learned how to put my guard up and stay away. And um, you can probably see that's how God was working through me and the topics that I wrote about and that I teach about. But it's very confusing when you have a parent that you know can be there and is is nice and provides for you in one way, but then also you know does these you know, tremendously abusive things. So it's you know psychological part of that, spiritual abuse, all of that can be you know, just very confusing, and it kind of sets you up um, to struggle in relationships. So even friendships, you know, that transferred over to romantic relationships. Of course, uh, I was very insecure, very jealous. Um, I think of my first you know, girlfriends, middle school, high school, like, you know, I, I was, you know, I wish I could send them a letter <laughs> just because I, <laughs> I was wanting so much. I wanted them to fill the gaps, you know, and they weren't designed to do that. Yeah. I, uh, I just married mine that, that, yeah. So I've, uh, yeah, <laughs> I've had to, it's been a continual process of amends, uh, over 40 years. So I, I get it. <laughs> no doubt. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, talk about the setup. You know, one of the things we talk about a lot in just uh, certainly the counseling office and just all this men's coaching, um, uh, other other endeavors that I'm involved in, I think one of the things is so often, you know, it's kind of the idea of um, maltreatment uh, versus disattunement. Uh, and maltreatment, you know, that one's easy. The physical abuse, sexual abuse, those types of mm -hmm. things. But the hardest one, I think, uh, in my experience, is um, helping others see this idea of disattunement. Uh, we could call it, you know, attachment issues. Uh, there's there's lots of psychobabble terms we could put on it, right. but it it really is part of the setup. And so often, it's just that idea that like I'm just unaware of you know these mm. things that went on because uh, how would I know any different? It's just what I knew, what I grew up in. 
So in working with uh, with a client or working with uh, anyone around this, um, how do you how do you work to kind of help them understand that setup? Right. So when our primary caregivers, our parents, uh, when they abuse or neglect us, and and I even talk about in my book how neglect is abuse. But when that goes on in our childhood experiences, um, we look to other people and, and want to answer the questions, do I matter? You know, am I lovable? Am I worthy? And, you know, those, those three questions are, are very powerful. I mean, we need to know the answer. And, and to, when we look to people to answer those questions for us, you know, all, all, that, first of all, could be very dangerous, but... But that's what we're looking for. We want to mat turn of other people. We want to know that you know we have value. So, so we go looking for that. I believe. And so when I'm working with people, and very similar to my own story, when there's trauma, and you know we we look to soothe that. We look to get those very legitimate needs met, and that's how it turns into addiction at times. But it's um, really starts with a, a very sad story, as you probably know, in working <laughs> with people. When you go back to People, they're nine years old, 10 years old, and you hear about some of these traumatic things and they turn to pornography or you know, something else that becomes a lifelong addiction. We learn to soothe. We learn to escape and it feels good. So um, we stay stuck in that. So you know, for me, it, was, you know, it got to, to depression in my early 20s. I was still trying to figure out life. And I wasn't until my mid-20s before I realized I need to do something different. So I, I had met this wonderful friend and began going to church with her and became really good friends for several months. We got engaged the next year. Uh, for me, it was a, a spiritual transformation for me to give my life to Christ. Um, I went to a Christian college. Um, I got baptized. It was a busy year, but uh, <laughs> I I needed to do that. I needed to break free, and I know, you know I, I couldn't live you know, the life that I was leading and, and seeing where that could head. So... Um, when we look at the the root of of addiction, we look at the root of loneliness. I mean, it is that we need other people to connect, and we need we are looking to attune with other people, uh, especially if we've been confused by our primary caregivers and they were not attuned, they were not available, um, or worse, maybe um, they were constantly abusive to us, telling us these lies um, about our identity. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's we always talk about the idea of like we we begin to believe the lies and it becomes a belief system. Right. Um, you know, sometimes we call it you know, the toxic shame messages. Um, uh, Dr. John Breer in his reactive avoidance trauma model talks about uh distress reduction behaviors and the implicit painful memories because we're coming up with a story uh, trying to make sense out of what's going on and we're basically internalizing a message that somehow you know it it's about me it's it's my fault uh, if mm. I was better if I you know did right if I acted better or whatever um, it, it you know we we just think that it's our fault yeah. in some way. And so that I just always say this work, so much of it is is even spiritual formation because our spirits are formed for good or for evil uh, from the day we're born till the day we die. And we're just trying to make sense out of the things that are going on around us. And then it becomes a belief system. Right. Yeah. And those, yeah, they're embedded in there and, and 
then we feel bad about why 40 years later <laughs> am I still carrying these negative beliefs and, you know, we can feel like a child again um, when someone else, either relationally or at work or wherever, somebody taps into that and we, you know, we just feel so vulnerable and, but then we, yeah, beat ourselves up. Why am I still, why am I not over this by now? And that's, oh, yeah. that's kind of how trauma works. It is amazing until you get intentional and become aware. Uh, it's almost, I always say it's kind of like life lived by the directions on a shampoo bottle. You know, uh, <laughs> read those directions. You know, you turn, it's basically lather, rinse, repeat. And uh, right. we, we just keep doing the same things and not really knowing why until we begin to uncover it and dig deeper. Exactly. That, that whole idea of just the formational belief system, I think, is, is really what we're working with, um, or, or at least good counselors uh, are working with uh, uncovering those and then beginning to replace that with the truth of who I am. Um, and so that's just fundamental um, because we're going to live out what we believe. Exactly. And, you know, if we don't know this information, we are set off in a direction that ends up harming us, harming other people. And until somebody opens that door for us and, and let's look at your past, a lot of times we think, well, that was a long time ago. Why do I need to spend time there? But, you know, when we trace back um, addiction. We trace back you know, the root of these negative beliefs and we find out, you know, how powerful they were. And we spend time, we sit in that, we work through that. Maybe we're doing EMDR or some other therapeutic modalities that help us get into the body and, and kind of go back to where this trauma is stored, we're able to unlock truth. And, you know, we align that, you know, we have a parallel process of you know, spiritual growth and, and we're getting into the, the truths of what God says about us and what other believers around us are telling us is true and pointing us to scripture. We can, we can really have a transformation. That part, I think, is just, it's so important. Um, I always tell people, you know, especially working with couples, you know, there's really no such thing as marriage counseling. You know, how do you counsel a marriage? Uh, you've got two individuals that uh, hopefully are, are willing to grow and willing to change and uh, beginning to look at this. And, and you've heard it, I'm sure, oftentimes it's like, well, we're just blaming our parents. Um, mm. And... I always say, well, we're, we're, it's not blaming, we're just naming it. You know, these things happened, uh, they were facts. Um, and so oftentimes, it, you know, I think it's that fifth commandment can be a crazy maker, you know, in our English language, honor your mother and father. And uh, it breeds this kind of family loyalty and all those crazy things that come along with that. Um but it's interesting, you know, always the, the Hebrew word for honor is kabed, and the word picture is a scale. And God mm. is even saying, weigh it out. You've got to see the good. You've got to see the bad. Mom and dad mm. are broken just like you are. Um, and they did the best they could with the, the, the tools or the lack of tools that they had. And, uh, and it's a double meaning because, you know, that that primary those primary relationships with mom and dad it carries weight it has impact on every relationship we'll be in the rest of our life so honor is a crazy maker i think a lot of times in working in you know christian communities for sure 
right? And we, we believe we can't set boundaries with parents, and, and it's biblical. We can, right? We, we can and we should, and we should weigh it out. We should look at, you know, what, what is an unsafe behavior? What, is, what am I willing to put up with that is hurting me, maybe hurting my, my new family? And so when we can do that, you know, we're taking ownership, and we are valuing ourselves, and especially if we're lining up what we're needing, what we're asking for with the Word of God. So, so true. So uh, let's let's talk about your book that uh, j- just came out. How long has it been out now? A uh, month or two? About a month. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. What would you say is uh, kind of the main theme uh, of your book? Well, yeah, it's called Emotional Safety, and it, the subtitle is Honoring Ourselves While Creating Trust and Presence to experience meaningful relationships. So like I was saying, everything in there is in the, even in the title of what I really believe God has pulled me into and out of and wanting to help other people. So I've heard, and you probably hear about this a lot too um, as a therapist, but the term emotional safety, and we just have to know what that is. And I I thought I need to really help people understand mm. what this is. And and I didn't realize this, but as I was writing, you know, over about a year or so, it it started to be pointed more at people who have been through some kind of relational trauma. And I mean, it, it, I think we all need this concept. We all need to be able to experience and ask for um, and provide emotional safety to anyone we want to be in any significant relationship with. But I was really seeing how the book was turning into helping people who have been through some kind of trauma, um, again, especially childhood or relational trauma, um, been betrayed in relationships. There are several chapters that you know are very specific to helping people create a new trust. Um, I don't like to use the word sometimes restore trust be, or restore the marriage because sometimes a lot of couples will say, I don't like what we had. I want something brand new. So, Amen. Yeah. Yeah, so helping helping them create that. I'm, I'm primarily a, a couples or marriage therapist. So I, as you said, we work with individuals in the in the relationship. But um, I I had to restrain myself. I wanted to write a lot about you know couples and marriage relationships, but I, I tried to contain that to just a chapter because I wanted this to go, you know, everybody to be able to relate to this, um, even teens. But you know, basically, it's the concept of emotional safety is being able to share, right? To to be ourselves and to share with other people. We only share to the degree we feel safe. So, you know, if if we aren't feeling close to someone, we have to ask ourselves why. And mm. are they harming us? Are they not being there for us in the ways we need them to? Are are they outright rejecting us, abandoning us? Um, are they mean? You know, sometimes we just need people to be kinder to us, um, so especially people in our inner circles. And so that's that's a big concept of the book as I um, introduced the bringing people. There are people at our gate. You know, some people come into our gate. We didn't invite. They're just there. They might be familiar, familiar circles, extended family, but they're there. And we get to choose if we want to invite them to our yard a little closer and then onto our porch and then ultimately a seat at our table. So there are these checkpoints we can have. And I wanted to be very practical in the book to help people see these things, ask these questions to themselves, and then specific things they can look for and ask other people 
to make sure that they are safe for them. So again, they can live an authentic life and they can live an authentic relationship. Talk about boundaries for a minute, because oftentimes I think people misunderstand what boundaries are. Uh, It's like, I'm going to set a boundary on you or something like that. And uh, it's really more distancing um, than than it is a true boundary. Uh, We always say boundaries are just simply about who you are as a man or as a woman. You know, things you will accept, things you will not accept things that you will do, things that you will not do. And it's really, you know, values and integrity of the individual. Right. So it's it's important to have those. It is taking responsibility for ourselves. And I think as, as Dr. Cloud and Townsend um, decades ago started talking about, I guess it's where I end and where you begin, right? Mm. So if we don't know that line, there will be people that will cross that line. And if, if we allow that, maybe we don't even see that. And, and that sometimes is their behaviors. They're minimizing us. They're um, neglecting us. They are um, being verbally abusive. They could be doing a lot of things that, you know, they cross our boundaries, but that gets our attention. And anytime something like that gets our attention, uh, we need to pay attention to that and ask ourselves why. So when we have a boundary, it's not always a wall to keep people out. Um, uh, it could be a gate. We, we might let people into our yard and that's okay, but we're not going to let everybody who's in our circle into our most private places because um, that's where we're most vulnerable. That's where they can do the most harm. So we have these different checkpoints where like, you know, I can tell this person, you know, this story, this personal detail about me, but I'm definitely not telling that person. And it might be a still a, a friend or family member, but like, I know if I told this person that they're going to use it against me, um, I'm going to feel less than. So I know having these, you know, even emotional boundaries with people will help protect me. And so that's honoring ourselves. And mm-hmm. we of course don't want to cross other people's boundaries. And I don't think we sit down and say, okay, here are my boundaries. <laughs> What are your boundaries? Let's see if we can make this relationship work. You know, maybe that should be one of those those uh, criteria in a, like a dating website or something, right? List your top <laughs> 10 boundaries. But, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. But, so sometimes we don't even know until we cross them. And that's okay. That's We're human. But when we do cross a boundary or someone crosses ours, if we have some sense of safety in that relationship, we can have a conversation about it. And we can just say, what you just did right there really hurt. And let me tell you how. And we can't just hope or expect that they won't do it again. We need to ask them and tell them, like, don't do that again, right? Here's here's what's going to happen. And, and I can't stay in the relationship. Or I can't um, spend time with you if you're going to do this, right? As long as you're being unkind or um, you're doing these things that are harming my trust, you know, I can't be vulnerable with you. Hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, uh, and the thing about it, in my experience, the, the boundary crossers, uh, the people that they, they don't go through the gate, they just they just jump the fence and uh, they don't respect mm. anything uh, that you, you know, ask them to do. Um, yeah. W- what do you do with those people? How do you deal with that? Yeah, and like I said, nobody's perfect, and and I try. I wanted to be very careful in the book to distinguish between what is an unsafe behavior and what is an unsafe person mm. to me. So, 
we all do unintentional harm. Again, we don't have the rule book or the boundaries list for everybody around us. So you know, people that are open, I think that's the main difference between an unsafe person and an unsafe behavior is um, they are open to hearing how they've hurt you and they're willing to change. You know, it bothers them to hurt you. They don't want to see you hurt because they love you. They care for you. And so unsafe people, these are people that are driving the bulldozer through your gate, right? They're in your yard. They're trying <laughs> to jump on your porch and um, they're not asking permission. They're just doing it. So um, when people do that, um, I think we deal with them in a different way and we have to yeah. be very clear. And, you know, if somebody is doing narcissistic behaviors, you know, if they're, they're really minimizing, they're really trying to have power over us, um, we have to ask ourselves, you know, can we be in relationship with this person if we have to be? Sometimes we, we can't get out so easily. Um, we have to change how we interact with them, how we respond, because we, again, can't be vulnerable. So we start putting these layers mm -hmm. on of protection, which... Sadly, that's going to inhibit any sense of closeness. We're not going to have intimacy with any friend or marriage partner or anybody that we have to stay guarded around. So, you know, there's some work to do, but um, we have to empower those people that are being manipulated, that are, you know, on the other end of gaslighting. They're on the other end of blame shifting, especially betrayed partners. Mm -hmm. um, we have to make sure we empower them to speak up for themselves to name those very clear boundaries and to enforce them so they can stay safe. They can be true to who they are and, you know, they will help prevent that pain from coming in. Yeah. In our men's coaching vernacular, our, our language, uh, we call those people a bull. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, yes. you know, uh, sometimes with a bull, uh, you have to hit them in the head with a two by four before they'll before they'll listen to anything, right? <laughs> I don't mean that literally, but I mean you you just you've really got to be direct, and and you're probably going to have to like state your boundaries uh, about who you are and what you'll accept. Um, you know, not just once, uh, but mm. uh, if 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 it's someone that you have to be you know, in relationship with. Um, eventually you can, you can tame the bull, but it takes a lot of hard work. That's ah, exhausting, right? Because yeah, we have to do the work. We have to be clear and consistent and protecting mm -hmm. ourselves. And if they're not responding, they're not adapting, they're not changing, you know, and we have to keep doing that. It's just so emotionally exhausting. Oh yeah. So, so talk about just the characteristics of a safe person. Because I think a lot of times we, we may say that in passing or talk about it in counseling, but just, you know, practically speaking, what, what's a safe person look like? A safe person is someone who is present with you. So when someone is emotionally present, they show up, right? They show up with their whole body. Um, they're giving you full attention and they're communicating to you just by showing up that you matter to them. You know, answers those questions. I matter. Um, this mm. person cares for me. Um, so when we're being safe for others, we're doing that. We're not looking at our phone. We're not easily distracted. We are present with our whole body, our body language, our eyes, um, if it's culturally appropriate. But, you know, our body, everything is pointed toward them saying that I'm here 
and I care about what you say, even if I disagree. Right? Validation is important and validation isn't a stamp of approval saying I validate everything you just said and I completely agree. It just means I care enough to keep listening mm. and I'm present with you because you matter to me because I love you and that's the most important thing. It's not that we agree. It's not that I have to align with everything that you are doing. So first of all, it's it's how we show up to people. And, you know, of course, we're the obvious things, right? We're not gossiping about them. Hmm. If we're a safe person, we're not judging them. So they feel accepted by us. Um, they They can be themselves. They can let their guard down and be vulnerable with us. So you know this as a clinician. Um, and when people can tell you this, I never told this to anybody before. Oh yeah. And then they, man, I just get the goosebumps right away because something sacred is coming. And so anybody that can tell you that that's a great indicator that, wow, I'm, I must've done something there. Like what Mm -hmm. am I doing to allow them to go to this deep sacred place? They've never gone before and they're telling me, so we don't have to be a therapist in order to hear that. But if we have had people come to us and share deep things and not like premature deep things and they just met you and they're unloading on you, I mean, sometimes your presence, you know, is going to be that, that invites that. There's something about you that invites that. So people will share, but you know, it's, it's just really how we show up and you know, how we're responding. Are we accepting them by loving them for who they are and not what they do sometimes. Not that they do little things that annoy us, but you know, at a core level, you know, we love this person by how we show up, by you know, how we're validating them, by how we're we care about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's you know those those people that uh, you meet at Walmart, and you know they they begin to tell you their life story. Uh, we would say they have very loose boundaries, right? There there's, you go. There's a difference, right, between loose boundaries, rigid boundaries, and what what are healthy boundaries? And um, right. yeah, that that's a part of the part of it too. Um, uh, it, it's. You know this this idea of emotional safety is so important, um, and just practically speaking, again, um, you know, just creating safety from a practical standpoint. Let's just say, if, if in a relationship where there's been betrayal, um, one of the things I often hear is like, you know, when will she ever trust me again? Um, and I I often say, well, I think she'll let you know, and your job at this point, is like you've got to create safety. So from a practical standpoint, uh, what, what would be ways to create safety uh, in a relationship? For a betrayed partner, what the first thing they're trying to do is protect themselves, and they can't be responsible. They don't know what you're going to do. They can't predict if you're going to hurt them again if you're the person that betrayed them. So they have to take that responsibility themselves so anything we can do to take that off their plate, you know, we're creating ease and safety and peace. And that produces confidence and, and the capability of building trust again. So if a, a big thing that I teach men, I run men's sexual recovery groups, relationship repair, all that. But we t- I talk about um, 
being more forthcoming, initiating. Mm. Don't let your wife have to track you down for a check-in just to see how you're doing, you know, if if you're doing your recovery activities. And so be initiating that. That will help build trust. And so communicating, as I mentioned, listening. Listening is loving, you know, mm. so the, one of the best things they can do is listen, but they have to say something too. You know, we can't just say, I don't know. That answer I hear an over and over again is just very hurtful for a betrayed partner who's needing to hear something, that you're doing something different to help reassure me that you won't do this again, this behavior um, that harmed me. So, you know, give me something here. So to rebuild that, to build trust, you know, we have to be consistent. Words and actions demonstrated over time, they yeah. have to be sincere. Um, you're using your own words. You know, that's how you really can tell someone's doing the work, their own work, is that they're listening to podcasts. They're they're going to therapy. They're going to groups and support groups, and they're reading, and they are really demonstrating that they're doing the work, but now it needs to come out in their own words and show that they're changed. Something's different about them, and we see that with humility, right? We, oh, yeah. If, if we see humility, if we see them surrendering, if we see them you know, giving the signs that, okay, I don't have it all figured out. I have to keep working here. I have to keep learning. And they're taking ownership um, and they're validating, they're listening. You know, they are creating a sense of safety that is, that needs to happen before trust can happen. If, if they don't build safety, they're not going to build trust and they're not going to build intimacy. Oh yeah. The, uh, you know, I always, you know, Proverbs, uh, three, five, and six, you know, the, mm. the wisdom chapters, the wisdom book, yeah. you know, uh, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But that Hebrew word for trust literally means safety and security. You know, <sighs> yeah. Those two things are foundational. I mean, trust is not going to happen. And so it's like the idea is like, how do I create safety? And certainly, as you said, you know, words are pretty meaningless. Um, that that's not an indicator of change. Uh, that could just be more gaslighting, mm. and it, it's the actions and you know doing the things that you need to do in your growth um, for you, not to save the marriage, to but to become you know the the man or woman that God has created you to be, um, and that takes effort, um, and so. You know, going to group, going to counseling. I mean, those are actionable items, and you know, doing the reading. I just it, you know, we you we call it doing the work as you do mm -hmm. as well, and it's just a, such an important piece in order to create safety, and then trust will happen. Mm -hmm. And if they have to answer the same question a thousand times or more than a thousand, that you know, a betrayed partner is, is in trauma mode, right? So they're trying to put together the pieces. And if something doesn't line up, it's natural for them to have another question. And if someone who betrayed trust is saying, I already answered that, why are you asking me that? I'm just going <laughs> to give you the same answer. You know, so defensiveness mm. is going to break down your trust that you've worked so hard to build. So we have to set the expectation that, you know, if we're trying to build trust after, you know, some very harmful behaviors we've done to our partner, we have to prepare to answer that question thousand times or more. And 
and to know that they need reassurance and they don't believe us, you know, because we messed up in a huge way. So it's going to take some time and, and we have to, we have to be in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think, and you said it, you know, I think the, the key word, um, uh, the key indicator of like true recovery, uh, it is humility. Mm. Um, and, uh, boy, if that element is missing, it's like, you know, danger, uh, danger, because, uh, yeah, that, that's yeah. someone that's probably um, on track to do something again. Um, not that it's about perfection, but certainly honesty and transparency and humility are keys in this process of rebuilding, rebuilding trust. Absolutely. Man, uh, just love the conversation, and um, I, yeah, we could, I could, we could, I could do this all day. Uh, yeah. It's just so much fun. Um, so if somebody wants to get in touch with you and uh, they want to get the book, uh, just uh, tell us tell us where, where, where they can find you and tell us how they can get your book. Sure. So best way to learn about me and get in contact is my website. So um, it's my name, Alex, and then my middle initial, A, and then Avila, A, V as in victory, I-L-A dot com. And you can find my three books on Amazon. Um, and I have, yeah, I have those resources there. And I have an online relationship course. Um, I offer counseling, coaching. So I'm, I'm doing groups, some online classes for men. But you can reach out to me, uh, get in contact with me through my website. Awesome. Man, uh, love love you, love the work you're doing, and um, it's good to be in the fight um, with, with somebody on the front lines and, you know, fighting with the same weapons and tools that we fight with. And so it's just great to be with you, and um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you again uh, soon, uh, certainly at the ITAP Symposium uh, next year. Uh, looking forward to that. Um, and you're actually doing some of the training now for CSAT, uh, or I know you're doing the uh, the PSAP training uh, as well. Um, and so, man, you just you have so much to offer, and so appreciate uh, all that you do. Great well, to be you. with you. Yeah, I really appreciate working alongside you as well. And um, yeah, I love that program. You know, pastors are are being trained to spot some of this to help people on the front lines and it's wonderful so um, I've appreciated that through ITAP and yeah I look forward to seeing you again soon so thank you for all you do all the, the wonderful work that you and Eva do that you know, is really transforming lives so it's it's an honor to know you and to yeah to be fighting with the same weapons it's awesome To learn more about what you've heard today and to engage with the Sex, God, and Chaos team, visit sexgodchaos.com.